amen. Hallelujah. Lord, we bless you. We exalt your name. Blessed is the name of Jesus. Let's make our confession. This is our year of jubilee. We expect manifestations of the Holy Ghost in power. We believe for financial miracles and miracles of healing in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to start this morning in Mark chapter 11. Verse 12, and on the morrow when they were come from Bethany, he was a hungry, and seeing a fig tree afar off and having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the times of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. Let's get down to verse 20. And in the morning... As they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. I want you to notice something about this story. Jesus curses the fig tree, and the next morning it's dried up from the roots. But think about what Jesus said. No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. You know, there's several different ways that that could have been accomplished and not necessarily by the tree being withered and dried up from the roots. So it indicates to us that intent of purpose is included in the words that we speak. Now notice Jesus said, you'll have whatsoever you say if you meet the qualifications or the criteria Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith, he shall have, or have whatever he believes. Well, we certainly know that faith is the subject. We certainly know that faith is included in what he's talking about. But notice you don't get what you believe for, you get what you say. Genesis 1.26 tells us God's purpose for man. God said, let us make man in our own image after our own likeness and let them have dominion over the works of our hands. God gave man authority. Now, God never changes. So if God intended for man to have authority on the earth before sin came on the scene, then the presence of that sin or the operation of that sin in the earth doesn't change what God intended. Well, how does man exercise authority? This creation account in Genesis chapter 1 gives us nine different times where God said and something occurred or was created. We know that Hebrews 11 identifies that faith was the force that created the world. And so God gives man as a part of his likeness unto God. He gives man the same opportunity to exercise authority on the earth through his words that God used to create everything about this physical realm. Now I want you to see something, folks.
Turn with me to Romans chapter 10. Verse 8, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Notice how many times he talks about the mouth and the heart together. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Skip down to verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. There are a few different scriptures where the Bible tells us something about faith and the operation of faith. Notice here in Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, for you are saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So the faith is a gift that's given to us when we hear the word. And here in Romans, we can see specifically that he's talking about faith to be saved. But folks, faith works the same in every area. There's nothing more important than receiving salvation and so God provides a gift for us when we hear the word and that gift comes by hearing. Romans 12 verse 3 tells us that faith is dealt to every man. Every man has a measure of faith and that measure of faith is intended to be exercised and to grow. Now the Bible identifies the importance of believing with the heart. Now the heart is talking about the spirit of man Peter called him the, the hidden man of the heart. Well, if he's hidden, what's he hidden to? He's hidden concerning the five physical senses. Paul talks about the inward man and the outward man. The outward man is decaying, but the inward man is renewed day by day. So when the Bible is talking about believing with the heart, it's talking about being influenced to take action, to exercise authority based on what we hear. In John chapter 20, we've got a story of Jesus after his resurrection. The Bible tells us that Jesus appears unto the disciples let's start in verse 19 then the same day at evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were ascended, assembled for fear of the Jews came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them peace be unto you and when he had so said he showed unto them his hands and his side then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. Now folks, when the Bible says in verse 22, that Jesus said to them, receive the Holy Ghost. Then they had to get something in order for this to be true. A lot of people think that the book of Acts chapter 2 is where the disciples and the 120 that were in the upper room were saved and the church began to be in existence. But if that was the case, 
than what Jesus talking to him about in John chapter 20. He says, receive, he breathed on them and said unto them, receive you the Holy Ghost. And notice the next thing he starts talking about is the remission of sins. We know there are two experiences with the Holy Ghost. The first is the new birth. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. But then the second experience is what the disciples received after they had been born again, after the Holy Ghost had come upon them and made them new creatures.
stories that very specifically concerning what was in the immediate future and yet to come. So the example we have of Thomas refusing to believe anything before he sees and feels something in his body. That's not the example that the Bible gives us to follow. The example that the Bible gives us to follow is in Romans chapter 4 where it talks about Abraham's faith. Verse 17, as it is written, God said unto Abraham, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. The only hope that Abraham had when he was about 100 years old concerning the, the birth of his son, the son of promise, the only hope he had was not in what he could see or feel. His body gave him no evidence of the truth of God's word. But Abraham looked at the promise, continued to look at the promise of God and drew hope from what God had revealed to him concerning his heirs and his descendants. Remember in Genesis chapter 15, it tells us that God appeared unto Abraham and he takes him out outside of the tent and asks him to look up and see the stars of the heavens. And he asked him how many stars are up there. Well, it was an innumerable number of stars. There's no way anybody could count them. And God said, so shall your seed be. That experience of God comparing the descendants of Abraham with the stars of the sky. That's what he put his hope in. Now that didn't have anything to do with the operation of his body. But that's where he put his hope. I can imagine Abraham talking himself through some of these things. For example, if God wasn't going to give him the son of promise, then why did he cause him to look at the sky and ask him to number the stars? What did he believe in? He believed according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, here's his fight of faith, the Bible tells us to fight the good fight of faith. Well, the good fight of faith is to overcome the instances of doubt that the devil will bring to us and try to entice us to give up on the promise of God. But it says in Abraham's case, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Abraham's fight of faith required him to not consider the circumstances in his body. In other words, Abraham was required to believe and chose to believe not according to what he could see or feel, but to believe in the Word of God no matter what he felt, no matter what he could see in his body. So being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. 
He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. It would have been real easy for Abraham to give up. But if he was going to give up, he's going to have to release his hold of faith on the things that God has told him. But instead, he chose to be strong in faith. And folks, notice that weak faith or strong faith is dependent on your choice. It's an act of your will. Being weak in faith, he had made that condition or that decision. He could have just simply looked at his body and Sarah's body day by day. And every day that he didn't see a change, he could have just said, well, if God wants me to have this child, then he'll make it happen. And that's the way a lot of people think believing God comes about. They think that if God has something in mind or God intends something for us or for anyone, then he'll just have to make it, make it come to pass. But Abraham understood that his choice was one that mattered. Not the circumstances in his body or the lack of circumstances in his body. In verse 20 it says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. He didn't let the attack or the temptation to doubt cause him to change his position toward God and his word. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Folks, that's what the devil wants for you. He wants you to listen to the things he's saying or look at the things that he'll show you. He wants you to stagger at the promise of God through unbelief. Now the difference is standing strong, being strong in faith, choosing to be strong in faith, which is what Abraham did Standing strong and not wavering or staggering through unbelief, but was strong in faith. And there's two characteristics that Paul gives us in Romans chapter 4 about what strong faith looks like. First thing it says, he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. So those two things are what put Abraham over and brought about the promise to him, the promise of Isaac, the son of Abraham and Sarah. He gave God glory for the answer before he saw the answer. And secondly, being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform now, folks, that's just simply a choice. If you can give glory to God for whatever you're believing for, that's halfway to the condition that's called strong faith by Romans chapter 4. And the second condition, and being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. Abraham has been walking with God for 25 years at this point in time. And he's seen God do a lot of things. He gave Abraham and his household victory over the five enemy kings that came and took Lot, his nephew, captive, and all of his family He gave him a victory. He prospered him. He blessed him in such a way 
that everybody knew that God was on his side. And each of the experiences or the victories that occurred in Abraham's life all added up to his ability to believe God for something that his body refused to agree with. until he started acting on acting in faith on what God had told him he's carried these experiences for many years he's experienced many instances where God's promise and relationship with Abraham put him over and gave him a victory instead of being lost to defeat. Jesus talks about different types of people when he tells the story of the parable of the sower sowing the word. He identifies that one type of people begin to produce fruit but the word begins to come to pass in their lives but then they get distracted and they fail to carry through. They choose not to be strong in faith, but to give in to the circumstances. And that keeps them from watering the word. It keeps them from looking at the word of God and looking only at the word of God to experience the realization of God's promise. I've known some people through the years. There were two pastors that I'm thinking of that were similar in age. They were probably around 50s, in their 50s somewhat. And they both had diabetes. They'd been both been taking insulin shots every day for many years of their lives. One person heard the preaching of the word concerning healing and he got so excited about it that he just made a a declaration that he was going to throw his insulin away and just believe God for his healing. Well, he did. He threw the insulin away and in a short period of time he went into shock and the things that took place in his body took his life. But the other guy, having heard the same things, the same truth, said that he was going to believe God for his healing too. But he kept taking the insulin. And every time he'd take that shot, every day before he went out of the house and went about his business, every day he would take that shot and mix faith with it and say that specifically. I've mixed faith with this insulin shot and I require of it to bring about supernatural results because I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. Now in the first guy's case, he overestimated his strength of faith and it cost him his life. But the other guy, he focused not on his healing or the insulin, but he focused on growing in faith. 
And it wasn't too long, about 18 months afterwards, I think, that he went back to the doctor for something else. And the doctor asked him if he was still taking insulin. And he said that he was. And the doctor said, well, stop taking it for a while. And so he did. And the doctor never, he examined him again. The next time he did examine him, he told him that his body had changed and that he no longer needed to inject himself with insulin. And he lived out his life to a good old age and walked in the healing power of God. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Verse 14 goes on to say why that was the case. He says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, folks, that's not a promise. It's a statement of fact. Christ has redeemed us. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, redeemed us from the curse of the law, and the curse of the law includes every sickness and every disease. Now, you know as well as I do that not everybody accepts Galatians 3.13 as a point of fact. There's a lot of people in the body of Christ that are looking for God to do something to bring about their healing. But God's already done everything he's ever going to do concerning your sickness and mine. Christ has redeemed us. He's not going to redeem us. He has redeemed us. Now, if that was a promise then there would still be a work left for God to do. But Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father because the work is finished. Now let me give you an example, a contrasting example. Malachi 3 verse 10 talks about bringing all the tithes into the storehouse. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open unto you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there's not room enough to receive. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, he said. Now, folks, that's a promise. God has an individual promise for each and every one of us. It'll be a personal experience where God will open the windows of heaven in in response to our obedience to bring our tithes into the storehouse. Now you've got a statement of fact in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. You've got a true statement. It's just simply truth. That Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now why doesn't every Christian take advantage of that and walk in divine health? It's their refusal to recognize the truth of Galatians 3.13. And even though God's done everything that it will ever need to be done to set us free from sickness and disease, many Christians, maybe the majority of Christians, just consider that to be a scripture verse rather than to recognize the relevant truth that it gives to us. But on the other hand, God has a promise 
that he's made to each and every one of us concerning our finances and our material blessings. And it has to do with our obedience concerning the tithe. Now you know as well as I do that not every Christian tithes. Not every Christian is experienced the windows of heaven blessing and the devourer being rebuked for our sakes. So they're forfeiting a promise that God determined to make good for each and every one of us that act in obedience to his word. Folks, faith is an unbreakable bond. It's an unbreakable bond that once we step out on the declaration of his word, in the case of healing, accepting Galatians 3.13 as a, state, a true statement of fact. And as we reach out in faith and take hold of that truth, our faith takes possession of it, not because we can see or feel a change in our bodies, but because God's word says so. Folks, the reason that God's word is true is because everything that God says would come to pass. If, for example, God said tomorrow the sun's going to come up in the west and set in the east, I'm not sure what, has to, what would have to occur in the galaxy for that to become real, but it would happen. God's word is so, well, it's just absolute truth. No matter what it seems like to us, no matter if it seems to us to be too big for God to follow through with, every word he's ever spoken results in absolute truth. It results in the reality of what belongs to us. But there still are some promises, not really too many, but verses of Scripture like Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10 and 11 that when we act in faith on God's word, he changes things to bring into reality what his word declares to us is ours or can be ours. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 says, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. The Bible says that you have the same spirit of faith, the same kind of faith that God has himself. When Jesus explained the cursing of the fig tree, and the next morning it was dried up from the roots. He didn't say that that was done because he was the son of God or it could be done from by him because of who he was. He simply said it works for everybody. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, 
be thou removed and cast into the sea. And shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. First thing he tells the disciples is here's how the tree died and here's how you can operate in the same way. We have the same spirit of faith as God has himself. That gift of God that brings us into salvation is the same kind of faith that God used to create the world. The faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the word is the same kind of faith, the same spirit of faith that God used to create the universe. The measure of faith that's been dealt to every one of us is the same spirit of faith. It's not the same measure of faith but it's the same spirit of faith and that same spirit of faith on our part can be exercised and utilized and can make us stronger and stronger and stronger in faith to receive greater and greater things as we go through life it's the same space the same spirit of faith, the same spiritual force. It's the same unbreakable bond. When we reach out and take hold of God's word and say what we believe about it, that joins us in a relationship with God that man cannot break. Or another man cannot break. You could break it yourself by allowing yourself to be moved by circumstances or what you feel or see. But if you reach out and take hold of God's word and exercise your faith, if you choose to be strong in faith like Abraham did and thank God for the answer before you see the answer come, and choose to be fully persuaded that what God had promised he was able also to perform. There's no force in the universe that can stop that from coming to pass. It's an unbreakable bond. The devil can't break it. Others can't break it, whether they agree with you or not. It's an unbreakable bond that you make with God, the creator of the universe. We having the same spirit of faith. What does the same spirit of faith do? According as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. You have a measure of the kind of faith that created the universe. You have a measure of the kind of faith that created everything that you see and feel in this natural physical realm. That's the same spirit of faith as God himself has. The same spirit of faith that God utilized in the creation. The same spirit of faith that God utilized in bringing victory to Israel as his servants. It's the same spirit of faith that Jesus tells us how that it killed the fig tree, caused it to wither and dry up from the roots. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. Your unchangeable word your eternal word. We thank you, Father, for giving us a measure of that same kind of faith. 
we thank you that what we believe in our hearts and say with our mouths comes to pass. We thank you for divine health that's already been purchased for us. Through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus himself. Bless you, Father. Bless your holy name. Amen. You know, it would do us good if we just say throughout the week the same measure of faith, the same spirit of faith that I have is the faith that God used to create the world. Now, some folks would call that blasphemous to say in their thinking, how in the world could anybody claim to have the same spirit of faith as God himself has? Well, if Paul didn't tell us by the Holy Ghost, I'd have to agree with him. That'd be an area I'd stay away from. But the Bible couldn't be clearer on the reality that the same spirit of faith that God used to create the world is the kind of faith that he gave, that he gave dealt, and measured to you and me. Say it with me. I have the same spirit of faith that God used to create the world. That is what the Bible says. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's just lift our hands and thank him for a minute or two. That he gave us his word to cover every situation, every test, every battle. Every victory is assured the simple truth of the word of God we love you father we bless your holy name thank you that your word is working in our lives working on our bodies working in our finances to bring us into victory we thank you father that the blessing of Abraham is ours in Jesus name amen God bless you folks have a great day